and to the ministry of the word. And so the work that they cut out was the feeding of widows. Sad little old ladies, right? What better thing to do than to feed them? But yet the disciples saw prayer as so important. They said nothing can get in the way of our time of prayer. So that's one of the reasons that we're going to take the next few minutes to cut away from even Nick and my brilliant sermons um, to pray for one another. And so we're going to have a time in which you can raise your hand. The microphone will make its way to you. And if there is anything that we can pray for, would you just share that with us? Is there, if there's anything that you're celebrating, that you're praising God for, then would you share that with us? Then we're going to spend some time praying for one another. All right. Uh, I'm Jacob. Um, I just want to give a huge praise uh, to God for Audrey and I just got back from a big vacation, so it was really relaxing and just a great break from the business of life. Um, but also I want to ask everyone to pray for a couple of ladies that we met um, during our trip, uh, Michelle and Paula. Um, they were running a Jehovah's Witness stand um, on one of the islands that we were on, and we had a really good conversation with them um, just about the gospel and the identity of Christ. Um, for those who don't know, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is God. They think he was the first creation of God. Um, so we just had a really good conversation about that and about some of the scriptures around it that show the divinity um, of Christ. So just want to pray for Michelle and Paula. Um, they seemed really honest and like, actually, you know, engaging and wrestling with some of the texts we brought up. So I, I, I pray that a seed was planted and just that that can grow. So pray for Michelle and Paula for that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Jacob. That's Really encouraging. We'll be praying that those seeds sprout into something. Nick, you made your way right into the middle. You're going to have to find your way out to get to Kara there. You're the man. Thank you for running the microphone. Hi. Um, I just wanted to offer praise for God's presence through the good and the bad. Um, sometimes we don't see that. We don't maybe feel it in the bad, but um, I just want to offer praise for that because he's always with us. And um, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Just to open our eyes to the reality that God is with us, even in the good, even in the bad. Yeah. Judy. Hi. Uh, I'd like to pray for Hills Alive and that many people would come to Christ and also keep in mind our country and its leaders. Thank you. Yeah. Big event. Next weekend here in town, uh, where the call to repent and believe the gospel is going to be sent out. And so we're just praying um, that hearts will be softened for that. And as Judy remind us, we are called in scripture to pray for our leaders. And so we will be a people committed to that. Hello, I'm Joey. A lot of you know this already, but I just wanted to share a huge praise that Lindsay and I will be closing on a house this Thursday. Mm-hmm. We're super excited. So praise God for that. But um, this is a praise as as well as a prayer because we really want to devote this place to the Lord and want to open it up to, of course, this body, but also many unbelievers as well and just use it as a place for ministry that Christ would be preached. And, I mean, the home can be such a powerful tool in that as I mean, we've seen in the Gospels and even in our own lives and stuff like that. So just pray that the Lord would use it well for his purposes and that he would put those desires in our hearts continually. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. We're celebrating this house that God has provided. And now we're praying that we'll be able to dedicate it to him. So let us know when the barbecue is and we'll all be there. Uh, I'm Logan. I've actually got a couple things. Um, firstly, just a prayer for a coworker of mine that I've recently started working with. Her name is Bobby. Um, she,
she needs help. Um, and she's had a rough life. Um, but she's had, she's got some difficulties. Um, number one, trying to find somewhere to live that isn't the super eight motel. Um, and also, um, her daughter's father who is constantly harassing and stalking her among many other things. So prayers for her, um, and prayers that I can, you know, speak to her through my actions and words and that God gives me the right tools to do that. Um, another prayer slash praise is Camp Halawasa starts today with elementary. Um, it's all the little kids. Um, so prayers for the counselors and the directors as we get into that next week will be middle school and then it'll be time for me with high school. So <laughs> I, I definitely need a lot of, endurance yeah <laughs> energy and endurance i think i just saw micah just left micah's going straight oh no you're not micah you're derek sorry but micah just left he went straight to camp um he's going there to lead with elementary schoolers and then a bunch of you are leading with middle nick rombo is speaking at middle and high so man what a hero all of these guys the barkers man all the gang so pray for camp Halawasa this week <laughs> <laughs> yeah Derek yeah I want to um, pray continued prayers for Natalie and some of the things she's going through mm-hmm. and um, I also want to pray for I'm going to pray for the many out there who are struggling with addiction and alcoholism it was a big part of my life for mm-hmm. a while and I'm like and God's changing a lot in my life right now and it's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful it's amazing and I'd, I want that same thing for yeah. the others who are out there Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we're praying for your health, Natalie, with all the different things you've had to go through and praying for those battling with addiction. We believe that there is healing power in the name of Jesus for those people. So we're praying for that. Hey, I'm Justin. Um, Just want to lift up prayers for my... Uh, mother-in-law Sue, um, her husband, my father-in-law passed away back in 2021, and it just really seems like she's having a hard time recovering from that. I think the grief and then her own health uh, are are it's just like a, a negative spiral. It's really hard for her to recover enough to get better emotionally, and I think her emotions are a place where it's hard to get her to get better physically too. So, um, just praying for her situation. We just pray that God would heal her body and help her to help her to grieve and uh, move forward to the next thing um, that she's got, wherever that would be. So appreciate your prayers. Yeah. I'll pray for your mother-in-law for Sarah's struggles with the grief of losing dad and just for the health issues that she has faced. Hi, I'm Eileen and just kind of a similar thing. We have a friend who, um, he was married for 59 years and his wife passed away, and he's really struggling. And, you know, his heart is just broken. And so his name is Ron, and the family's really grieving too. So we could pray for that family. That'd be great. Yeah. Pray for Ron, for his family, as they struggle with loss of a wife and a mom and a friend. Pray for them. Chris, do you have the microphone now? I do have the microphone. 
Um, just wanted to give a praise for Heather's first couple of weeks in the car and um, the trainer she's had for the sheriff's office has been fantastic. And even through a handful of pretty spicy calls, just um, pushing her where she needs to be pushed and teaching her a lot. And um, yeah, she learned a lot of this first couple of weeks. So just praise for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Praising God just for the, the journey Heather's been on to now be sheriff deputy. And so we're praying for her for safety. Um, I just want to give praise. Um, some of you may know, but not everyone does. Um, but Josh and I are expecting a little one. <laughs> um, oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've made it through the first trimester and everything's doing well. So just praise to God. Oh, praise God. That's so exciting. You guys, <laughs> we love Thea. We're excited to see another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ted in the back. He's in the shadows. <laughs> like literally, not yeah. I I just have another one for dads while we're talking about it. Um my stepmom passed away a couple of months ago and my dad has been struggling like they do. Um the family's not checking on him like they did, and so he's sad and lonely and he's laying there at night and Thinking of all the stuff that he did wrong from the time he left when we were like seven. So he's got a lot of stuff going on in his mind. And he calls it all hours of the night trying to trying to find out, was it really that bad? I can't answer that. So we, we just need to pray for him. Pray for him to get some sleep and get back to work so he can concentrate on other stuff besides just the bad. Yeah. yeah. Continue praying for your dad in that, for his grief, and praying for you and for your sisters as they continue to support him. All right. Well, if that is all today, then if you notice, I always try to write these things down so that I can pray later in the week for these different requests that have come up. Um, but also, I just want to give you guys the opportunity now to approach God's throne, um, to pray with one another. And so maybe you wrote them down, uh, maybe you didn't. Don't worry, I'm going to go ahead and kind of assign them to you. And so if you would, would you grab um, just two or three other people, um, some of the people sitting around you, um, and would you pray for these requests? And I'm going to assign them based on the different section of the room that you're in here. And so you guys on my left, would you pray for Michelle and Paula, um, this couple that Audrey and Jacob spoke to, um, these two Jehovah's Witness Missionaries, um, would you pray that the seeds planted in their conversation would lead them to see the truth? Their eyes would be open there. Um, would you also pray um, for Ted and Kara's requests, um, just recognizing God's presence in our lives, in the good and in the bad? Maybe would you just pray that over all of us in here? And then would you pray for Ted's dad as he grieves the loss of his wife there? Would you guys also pray for Camp Halawasa on this side? Deal? Those are your four. Okay. Center, you guys in the middle here. Um, would you pray for Hills Alive this next week, as Judy shared? Um, and would you pray for our nation's leaders? You guys willing to do that? Okay. Uh, would you pray for Logan's coworker Bobby, uh, for the just difficult life that she's had, the stocking situation? But also, would you pray for Logan in that, that he would just be a voice of truth and that he would be an agent of God's grace in there? And then would you guys also just pray um, for Justin's mother-in-law, Sue? as she grieves the loss of her husband and of 
Sarah's dad there. Okay. Middle section. You guys to my right. Um, would you pray over Natalie's health? Um, and as Derek shared, there are many who are struggling with addiction. Maybe, you know, someone in your own life. Uh, would you just pray that God would break those chains of addiction? Would you pray for Dayton and Eileen's friend, Ron, who is struggling with grief and just for his family? Uh, would you also pray um, for Heather as she is uh, now a sheriff's deputy and all the different difficulties that that presents? And then would you guys just celebrate and pray over the portos um, who are sitting in your section here as they expect new little baby into their family? Okay, you guys got those? Great. Well, here's what will happen. I will go ahead and begin us in prayer, and then you are free to get up to move around. Would you just gather with a few around you and just approach God with these things? So let me go ahead and pray, and we'll spend some time just approaching our Lord. So, Father God, we just turn to you, recognize as we have sung today that great are you, and you have told us that, that you are the good Father, and when we come to you with, with requests, you've promised not to be the one who, when we ask for a fish, you'd give us a scorpion, or when we ask for something that you would give us what we don't want, but you are the God who is so generous in giving us what we ask, and so we just want to take you up on that offer and declare in our actions of approaching you with prayer requests your goodness, your love, your generosity for us. Um, we just declare in our approach to you to pray over situations that um, sometimes we don't see a way out of. Uh, God, I just pray that you would see that as an act of faith that we are devoting to you, God, that we trust you, we believe in you. And so, Jesus, uh, we just come before you, and we ask that you would turn your ear to our prayers as we turn to you. And so, Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
So, Father God, as we have come before you, the things that we are praising you for, we just see your goodness. We just see your presence in our life. We see your blessings poured out over and over on us. And then, God, we see the different ways in which our lives in this world um, does not look like it should. And we just thank you for loving the world so much you sent your son to die for it and for us. And we just declare your kingship over our lives, over this world, and we ask that you would conform our lives um, to look like yours. We ask that you would work in all of these different prayers to accomplish your will. And we trust you as we wait for that in the process. And now, Father, as we turn to your word, we just ask that you would empower Nick to communicate to us what it is that you have for us. As we are walking through this book, as we are are learning from how you've revealed yourself to us in Scripture, we open our hearts and minds to be shaped and formed by you. And so now, we just give you our ears as you have given us yours. So we love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you, you guys. You can move back to your seats. I will bring Nick up. Thank you, sir. Evan Down. Thank you, Evan. Thank you for leading us in that time. Thank you, everybody who shared. I know that's not an easy thing to do, to just kind of be vulnerable in a community of people like that. But I think that's one of the special things about Common Ground is that uh, that, that happens. And then thank you, everybody, for um, just huddling together and praying. Uh, the sound I, uh, of the voices filling this place in prayers. I don't know how God does it. How does he how does he filter out all of those prayers all at once? But he does, because only he can, because that's God. That's who he is. We serve an amazing God, an amazing Savior. So uh, we're going to get right into this. Uh, we're in Titus chapter 3 today. It's going to be kind of weird, because I'm going to be preaching on a, on, a, on a portion of Titus chapter 3 and try not to walk all over Evan's sermon next week, because he's going to go back uh, to a portion of this, but I can't help but... Uh, talk a little bit about it. Uh, but before we get into Titus chapter uh, 3, uh, verses 3 through 15, uh, have you ever heard uh, this question? It's a question that gets posed a lot. I've seen a lot of TV shows, movies, and things that I'm watching. Uh, can a person really change? Can a person really change? Well, that's kind of a simple question, but it has a sort of a complex answer to it. Uh, in fact, if, if you were to go back to, I think it's Jeremiah chapter 13, where God pretty much says no. Pretty much says no through Jeremiah to Israel. Uh, he's basically saying to the people of Israel, how can you people who are so accustomed to doing evil do good? And then he throws out this, this little colloquialism, uh, you know, can an Ethiopian change his skin? Can a leopard change its spots? which is a rhetorical question of, no, they can't. They can't. So God, in a way, is saying, you can't do it. You you can't change. Now, if you would have met me 40 years ago, you wouldn't have liked me. I'm pretty sure of it. I'm not sure you like me now, really. Kind of assuming a lot right there. But I, I can guarantee, I can, I know for sure that 40 years ago, had you met me, uh, I don't think I was a very likable character. Um, in fact, you would if somehow if you get in a time machine, go back to 40 years, you'd be wondering, what in the world is this guy doing behind a pulpit kind of thing? 
And uh, I'm, I'm just here to say that, uh, that the power of the gospel changes lives. The power of the gospel changes lives. When God gets a hold of a heart, uh, it's a merciful, loving, gracious, compassionate thing, but I also would probably say it's a pretty violent thing because he shakes us, he uh, rattles everything out of us that needs to be rattled out of us, he turns us inside out, and he makes us into a, a new creature. And, and that's just how uh, fearsome God's grace is. So I want to start with a question today, and the question is, has God gotten a hold of your heart? Because I think when he does, you'll know it. And I believe with all my heart that when he does, something will show it as well. So let's pray, and uh, then we'll get into this. Father, uh, God, we just come to you in your name because we have no other name in which we can come to you. We can't come in our own name. (laughs) We can't come in our pastor's name. We can't come in our favorite podcaster or speaker or writer or author's name. We can only come to you in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray that this thing we talk about, this thing we sing about, this amazing grace, um, that, Lord, we would have a, a, a whole new perspective of that, a fresh perspective of that today, that we would leave this place understanding that, well, we are without you, wretches. Uh, there's nothing good uh, that we can find or righteous that we could claim about ourselves but because of what you do and your great mercies and your great love can change that entirely. And so, God, that's my prayer more than anything, is that you would speak from your word today into the hearts that you would give the message that you know each individual needs to hear today that would cause each and every one of us to just be astounded by how amazing your grace is and what it can produce in our lives. And we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Okay, before I get into uh, the, the, the message, there's probably a couple things you ought to know about the guy standing behind uh, the, the podium here, or the music stand, whatever this thing is. And the first thing is, is ever since I was a little kid, my brain tends to work a little bit sideways. Okay? First time I saw a woodpecker, I had to go get my grandparents to show them this little bird trying to knock down this big pole. Okay, that's how I perceived it. That's, that's what it was. When I was. When I was in the swimming pool, okay, I pretty much lived in the swimming pool from the ages of five years old on up. And somewhere around six or seven, I can remember the, the, it got all overcast and thunderstorms were coming. And they announced that everybody had to get out of the pool. Okay, this is what my seven-year-old brain said. Why do I get out of the pool? I'm, I'm already wet. I didn't know nothing about, you know, thunderstorms, lightning, and that sort of thing. All I thought is, well, that's just stupid. I'm already wet. Okay, and then as a brand-new baby Christian, I, I raised a great big stink one day at a pastor's conference, a whole bunch of pastors sitting around talking. I, I was, like I said, pretty, pretty fresh as a, as, as a Christian, but I was already working in youth ministry, and my senior pastor thought it would be good to haul me to this thing. And... Um, uh, and learn and, and, and glean some things from these guys. And so off I went, this long-haired party monster, baby Christian. And they were discussing this doctrinal issue of, of depravity. 
Okay, have you ever heard that, the doctrine of depravity? I don't really call it that. I call it the doctrine of incapability. Okay, uh, and uh, anyway, and then we're talking about how, you know, all these different world religions work. You know, there's thousands and thousands of different belief systems. At least that's what we're told. But my sideways brain says, no, there's really only two. There's really only two world religions, faith systems. One that says that somehow you and I can by ourselves in our own energies and our own efforts and our own righteousness somehow earn our way into heaven. And then the other one is, you're incapable. You cannot. Someone else has to take care of that for you. And that's it. That's pretty much it. That's, that's faith in a nutshell. It's either one or the other. And I think because of the deception of the devil, it's really easy for us to believe the one that says, somehow, it's up to me. But even as Christians, we will sometimes easily accept grace, but then set it back down and say, okay, now this is all up to me again. Okay, it's really easy to fall into that. So anyway, they were discussing all this about, you know, you cannot be saved by good works. Okay, and then me and my sideways brain, and as a brand new baby Christian who really didn't read the room very well, opened my big mouth and said, I disagree with that. Well, that'll get attention right away in a pastor's conference. Uh, and, and they all <laughs> heads spun around. I saw my senior pastor go, <sighs> you know. <laughs> and, and so this, this white, snowy-haired pastor turned to me, and he says, young man, what, what are you saying there, that, that you are saved by good works? I said, I'm absolutely saying that you're saved by good works. Not yours, not mine, but by the good work of Jesus Christ. And just that. Yeah, okay, see. And, and, you know, that's how my brain gets to stuff. It goes through the convoluted ways. It usually makes people mad and, and stuff like that. So there's, there's number one, I'm a little sideways in the way I think about stuff. Uh, but I hope you're clear on that. Because this text we're going to look at is going to emphasize that over and over again, that we are not saved by any of our good works, but only by the good work of Jesus Christ. The other thing is this, and it bugs Evan to no end. I love idioms and colloquialisms. And the reason it bugs Evan so much is because he said it last week in a sermon that he's kind of punk rock. All right? And because he's kind of a punk, he, he's never heard some of these things before. Like the word blather. <laughs> I used that on him today, and he goes, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> but, but, so, but I love them. I just love these, these, you know, like, does a, can a leopard change its spots? A lot of them come right out of the Bible. And we're saying these things not even knowing that they're biblically sourced, right? So, um, in, amongst these, these weird idioms that I have, uh, you've probably heard this one before, okay? This one, uh, that guy. He's a real piece of work. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Just a quick poll here. When we use that phrase of somebody being a piece of work, uh, how many would you say that that's a positive thing? Okay, you guys need to study your etymology. You know, that means where do words come from, phrases come from, and things like that. Because I agree. In, in, in all of our cases, I think whenever we use that expression, uh, we, we use it in a way that says that we're not really happy with somebody. We're kind of upset with somebody, a piece of work kind of thing. Uh, but originally, this, this phrase goes all the way back to the 16th century. And the theory is, is that it's talking about a work of art. 
And that when someone would say of somebody else that they were a piece of work, it was actually a good thing, that there was something admirable about them and that. But you see what our culture does? You know, you see what, what our wickedness does and things like that, and we turned it into something entirely different. So here's something you're going to know now by the end of this message is that every single one of us in this room is a piece of work. And for every single one of us, that, that's true in the negative sense. Okay? But I also believe it can be true in the positive sense. Okay, so let's get in the text and look at this. Uh, Titus chapter 3, I'm going to start with verse 3. But we ourselves were once foolish, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. And, and, and what Paul was just saying there is what I just said. <laughs> he says that's a creed right there. That's a, that, you can bank on this one. There's another idiom. All right. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you, Titus, to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and self-condemned. And then he moves into the closing of this book. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zanus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 15. There it is. All right. Boy, there's a lot to unpack in there. There's about six sermons worth of information in here. So are you ready for this? Okay. You can see why Evan's going to come back to this next week. All right. Um, Cretans, <laughs> that's who Titus was sent to minister to. And I got to tell you, uh, the more you learn about the church in Crete, and the people of Crete, the more you come to realize that Titus was a muscular Christian. The fact that Paul would select him to go to this place with these people as he describes them tells us that this is a guy that can tackle tough stuff. And he had tough stuff to tackle. And probably one of the toughest things to do is that he had to create spiritual leaders, Christian leaders, out of Cretans. Okay? And, and, and I guess I just got to say this, Cretans are a real piece of work. 
You know, and Paul even says so in Titus chapter 1, verse 12. Here it is straight from Paul. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. And then verse 13 starts off with, this is a trustworthy statement. (laughs) That's a creed, okay? It's like everybody knew that. The Cretans knew that. Paul knew that. A Cretan philosopher, you know, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because it's probably not even the right guy anyway. Uh, He even said it right there, and Paul quoted him in Scripture. And and the fact that that, that God allowed Paul to quote this in Scripture means that that God was affirming this. The Cretans are a piece of work. But so are we. So are we. And the reason that Paul can say this in Scripture, without it sounding all judgy or something like that, is because Paul knows that you know we're, we're really not any different than that. In fact, if you go back to verse 3, look how this passage starts, and, and he lists us. We were once, and that's a key thing, we were once, past tense, foolish. Now, a fool in the Bible isn't somebody who's mentally deficient. A fool is somebody who is overly self-sufficient. That's all up to me. I am a fool oh, so much of my life. <laughs> We ourselves are once got an agreement there. Uh, we ourselves once foolish. We were once disobedient. We were once led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. We're easily addicted to things. We pass our days in malice and envy, social media, hated by others and hating one another. It's like we're, we run off of hate. We're fueled by it. That's that's how we're described apart from Christ. We're a real piece of work in the negative sense. Okay, now I've got to go to some other passages. Uh, As I was looking about at this phrase that Paul uses in here about not being saved according to our own righteousness or works of righteousness or things like that, I started digging in the Bible and I found about 30 other passages that cross-reference that. And I was going to put that up on the screen so you could see the work that I did to find those 30 verses. And then I found that those verses all have cross-references, and it led to about 100. But I thought, okay, I'll just, still, I'll just use the 30. And, and then um, sometime between the preliminary work on my sermon and yesterday morning, my computer decided to um, uh, update. And me being me, I did not save my work. Okay. And so I open up my computer to finish my sermon, only to find out that I have to start all over again. And let me tell you that for quite a while there, I was a real piece of work. <laughs> That's not a good way to preach a sermon <laughs> or to prepare a sermon is, is out of that. So anyway, I lost that slide, and I, I'm a Cretan, and I'm kind of a lazy glutton, and I didn't want to do it again. But just to suffice to say, you will exhaust yourself going through the Bible, seeing that all the way from Genesis through, um, it demonstrates that you and I, we cannot, we cannot earn our way into heaven. We have to have a Savior outside of ourselves. So I, I picked some of the big three, and we're going to look at those today that kind of cross-reference in with what this passage is saying. And the first one is Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 27, says, 
then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded, meaning we can't boast. Uh, by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by a law of faith. And then verse 28 is the one I really wanted to emphasize, and you can see it's uh, bold italics there. Uh, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans. Okay? That's the Bible. And that should be clear as a bell, right? Is anybody justified by works of the law? No. We might help to understand what justification is. Justification is to be declared to be exactly how God created Adam and Eve before the fall. Okay? To be made like that again. And in order for you and me to be made like that, uh, to be justified, uh, something's got to happen. Something's got to change. And the Bible's very clear in Romans over and over and over again, that's just part of Romans, um, that says that, no, there's, there's, there's no righteous religious work that you or I can do that's going to make that happen, no matter how hard we try. We're, it's futile. Uh, that's not going to work. And, and most of us go, Whew. Yeah. because we know. I don't know about you, but I tried it. I tried it for a good portion of my life, thinking somehow I had to make God happy with me. You know, I had to jump through the right hoops or, you know, check off the right things or something and hope beyond hope that somehow I did more good than bad, that God says, oh, you're all right, we'll let you in, kind of thing. But I came to realize that that does not work. That doesn't work. And, and as soon as I realized that, the first temptation was just give up. Well, if I can't do it, I can't do it then. I guess I'll just be who I am. And I let myself be who I am, and that's why you wouldn't like me about 40 years ago. I've also found out that as a Christian, I can take this truth and I can twist it. And truth with a twist is heresy. Okay? And, and, and I can, as a Christian, say, all right, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm off the hook. Yeah, I guess I'll just sit back and wait until he comes back. And then I do nothing. I do nothing with the salvation that God has given to me. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> that I'm not alone in having had that thought. So we always have to compare Scripture to Scripture. All right, so we're clear. Romans says that no one's justified through works of the law. All right, let's go to James. Now, I have to say right now that Martin Luther had a little bit of problem with James. He really liked Paul and Romans, really did. Uh, but for some reason, he just couldn't get his head around James. And that just goes to tell you that even the greatest of theologians are sometimes a little bit off, a little bit off. So always check the word, not the theologian. But here's what James had to say uh, in chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Ooh, that's a good question. James, thanks for asking that. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and to be filled. I think you have to stand like that when you say that. You know, Be warmed and be filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, well, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You have faith. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe that, and they tremble. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, how faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Well, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't Paul just say something different in Romans? Well, we got to stick with this. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? If you go back to Hebrews, you'll see that it was by faith that Abraham offered up his son, believing that God would raise him up. Do you see that? This is what James is talking about. We're not talking about, oh, I believe. We're talking about a faith that motivates a faith that produces something. That's what he's going after. He says, the scriptures were fulfilled that day. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So again, he's not disputing. He was saved by faith. But he says he was saved by a faith that went to work. You see a person that is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not Rahab, the prostitute. Well, you want to talk about somebody who was a piece of work? Rahab? was a Canaanite woman. And if you study anything about the Canaanites, you're going to understand why God said we need to wipe them off the face of the earth. Okay, She was a woman. She wasn't just a Canaanite, but she's also a woman. And back then, uh, women weren't thought of very highly by hardly any society. And she was a prostitute. Now, some people try to tame that and say, well, no, she, was, she was an innkeeper. Well, what kind of inn do you think she ran in Canaan? But yet this woman, with all these strikes against her, believed in the God of Israel and claimed that God as her God. That's faith. That's faith. And then that faith motivated her to do something very dangerous, and that was to protect the spies that had come to scout out the city of Jericho where she lived. And, and that's what James is referring to there. Okay. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? She not only hid them, she helped them to escape. For the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also, and again it's emphasized, so also faith apart from works is dead. Okay, so we know this much so far, right? No one is justified by works of the law. We're justified by faith. But faith that somehow doesn't produce some works is not really faith. It's kind of a weird tension that, uh, you know, and I think that's why we all struggle with it a little bit. All right? So then let's land in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll kind of wrap this all up as, as we can. Paul, again, this time writing to the church in Ephesus, demonstrates to his Ephesian readers that they are all a piece of work. Beginning with verse 1. Chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now it sounds an awful lot like Titus chapter 3 again. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, and with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive 
together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Not by our own efforts or any of those things, because we can't. We cannot. We're incapable. And then on top of that, verse 6, he says, He raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I cannot get my head around that. But right now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, you're not only wearing out one of these seats in this sanctuary right here, but you are also spiritually in the presence of Christ. That's why I think when we die, boom, there we are. Okay, And I don't know how to get my head around that because that's beyond what I can reason or think, even sideways. But there it is. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead in the water, incapable of doing it. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and then he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then verse 10, for we are his poema. We are his workmanship. And the way that word is translated out of the original meaning is a work of art. For we are his piece of work. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, you know, when I, when I usually when I preach, I usually give you a Bible study, you know, hint, tip, you know, life hack, that sort of thing. When you're reading the Bible, look for things that are repeated. If you go back to uh, Titus chapter 3, Joey, could you flip that one back up there towards the end of Titus chapter 3? Uh, I noticed uh, as I was preparing for the sermon that there's some things that, um, that Paul repeated in there. Titus chapter 3, uh, see if we can get that back up there. Um, let's keep going into the next slide, if you would. Okay, one more. Do your best. I saw that in there a couple of times. Do your best. And Paul gives some specific examples of how the, how the Christians in Crete could do their best, and that was to help Zenos and Apollos. Okay? Uh, and, and I don't know who Zenos and Apollos might be to us, but when God brings them to us, we should do our best to help them. Help them in our way. Maybe it's a missionary or something like that. Maybe it's somebody who comes in on a Sunday with a particular specific need or, or, or that kind of thing. Uh, he also repeated in there, um, along with do your best uh, up, up earlier in that, he said be careful. And I think that's the same thing as doing your best. So here's kind of what I think we're supposed to do as Christians is we understand that, that it's Christ alone that saves us. But now what do we do with that salvation that he gives us? We do our best. We be careful. I mean, we, we, we care about things, and, 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 and we get involved in things and, and that. And, and then the things that they were supposed to do their best in and be careful in, he repeated this twice, is to be devoted to good works. And, and, and that, to me, is how I know that God has gotten a hold of my heart, is when I become devoted to the works that were created beforehand so that I can walk in them. And as I walk in them, then I am that piece of work 
that workmanship of God. But oh, how easy it is to just sit back and just kind of do this and go, well, I'm saved. I'm good. God took care of it. Yeah, he did. No doubting it. No doubt about that. But he took care of it so that we would take care. That we would do our best and trust God to take care of all the rest. Because, you know, even our best is not enough. But you see, what we're doing is then we're walking in the Spirit. Then we're walking in that yoke that Jesus told us to take upon himself. Working not on our own, but working with God. Could you imagine a better use of your day than to do God's work alongside of him? I can't. But I can also tell you how many times I've squandered the opportunity to do God's work alongside of him. Because I was foolish, selfish. I was that negative piece of work. And I could have been his workmanship, his piece of work. So I want to close with a couple of main ideas here. And first of all, that we understand these good works that we're created for. There's no list that you're going to find in the Bible that says, here are the works that you now should be walking in as a Christian through the grace of Jesus Christ. Um, there's not a specific do this, don't do that thing. Uh, you're not going to find a series of hoops that God wants you to jump through or some kind of a checklist that you've got to complete in order to win a merit badge or something from God. That's not what this is all about. It's, it's just about living the life of Jesus that he died to give us. Right? So good works is actually translated better into English as beneficial productivity. Beneficial productivity. Meaning we're doing something. We're being productive. And and what does the Holy Spirit produce in us? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, friendly kindness, self-control, all those things. You know, and even that's not an exhaustive list. That's just a sampling. So I should ask myself that question, am I walking in beneficial productivity today? Am I walking with the Spirit today? Is he producing his fruit in me, or is it just still that fruit of the flesh recycling there? I mentioned Martin Luther. He maintained that good works doesn't make a man good, and I agree with Martin on, or Luther on that. Um, but, but the grace of God changes the soil of a soul. I believe that with all my heart. The grace of God changes the soil of this soul. And good soil, from Jesus' own words, produces good fruit. Good fruit. So I might ask myself today, what's the condition of my soul? What's the soil like? Have I let it gone crusty? Have the weeds taken over? The rocks in there that need to be eliminated? That sort of thing, because I want to produce good fruit, so I need to check the soil. And then the last thing was this. Uh, Timothy Keller, man, he's one of my favorite authors. He just passed away a few weeks ago. Um, uh, Earth's loss is heaven's gain. I don't agree with everything that, that Mr. Keller said, but he said a lot of good things. And uh, one of his books, The Prodigal God, he kind of took me by surprise uh, because he was talking about an, a kind of an anecdote that he had. He was visiting with a young lady and she said to him that unmerited free grace, which is what we're saved by, 
Okay. Unmerited free grace is absolutely terrifying to her. And, and that kind of caught my attention. I go, why would that be terrifying? Man, let's dive in. Let's go. That's fantastic. Uh, and then I, I went on, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish what, uh, what Keller says about this. Uh, I asked her what was so scary about unmerited free grace, and she replied with something like this. If I was saved by my good works, then there would be a limit to what God could ask of me or put me through. Catch that? If I'm saved by my own efforts, then I can put a cap on what God might ask of me or what he might put me through. I would be like a taxpayer with rights. I would have done my duty, and now I would deserve a certain quality of life. But if it's really true that I am a sinner saved by sheer grace at God's infinite cost, the cost of his son, then there is nothing he cannot ask of me. <laughs> and then I went, oh, my sideways thinking had to zigzag a little bit to catch up with that. And if I am indeed saved by Christ's work and Christ's work alone, and I believe that, then there is absolutely nothing God cannot ask of me. There is absolutely nothing that God cannot have me walk through for his own purposes, his own will, and his own glory. And truth be told, I'm probably a little scared of that. And aren't we all? Because we're kind of a piece of work. So as we close in prayer today, I guess this is the question that uh, maybe we should ask is what kind of piece of work do you want to be? What kind do you want to be? And I know what my answer is. I want to be Christ's workmanship, saved by grace, so that I can now walk in the way that Jesus himself walked. What a life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it seems like a very easy concept, not all that difficult, but for some reason it's hard for us to get a hold of that. So Lord, I, I, I guess this is my prayer is first of all, if that there's anybody here today that they've been exhausting themselves trying to somehow earn your favor, you know, get a ticket to heaven punched or something like that, and they've been working their tail off to do that, but they only feel worn out and unfruitful and, and that, that God, you would set them free from the devil's lie. And that you would help them to see nothing but Jesus on a cross in their place. God, if I could save myself, it would require me to live a sinless life. It would require me to give up that sinless life on behalf of others. And I can't do that. None of us can. But Christ did that for us. So Lord, I pray that you would give that person through your spirit the ability to acknowledge that by faith. And that that faith would bring about a change in how our lives are lived. And God, for some of us, we might be here today and we've got that, we've understood that, but maybe along the way, we've kind of lost the way. And so God, today, would you see our hearts as soil plowed up by your spirit and by your word? And would you plant seeds in us that would produce fruit? 
And that when we live our life, however we live our life, as we go forth from this place or even as we interact with one another here in the next few moments all the way through the coming days of this week, um, Lord, would you produce a fruit in us that we walk with you in such a way that people see Jesus, that they see Jesus, our Savior, the one who did the good work for us. And Lord, may we be put on display as your workmanship. May we be the piece of work as you see the piece of work, God. May you be pleased and may you be honored in what you see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you guys to stand up.
Well, I had about a hundred verses to choose from for a benediction. Uh, this one wasn't on my list. Uh, it starts with a verse that was the very first verse I memorized as a believer in Jesus Christ. It goes on from there. So common ground as you go forth. Would you go in the words of Paul from 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Walk in that newness to the glory of Christ. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us today.